Today we're starting a new series uh, simply entitled, I Love My Church. And uh, actually, Brother Troy and Miss Rachel have been going around and getting some video. They started Wednesday night, and they'd love to get some video this morning, and they will get some video tonight, and they'll get some more video Wednesday night. And we're trying to create a video for next Sunday. And so if you'd like to help us out with that, we would greatly appreciate it. We want to know why you love Hillcrest. And so we're going to be putting this video together. And also next week, uh, something we're going to have that's going to be kind of neat, we're going to put up a photo booth uh, out in the vestibule area. Uh, we're going to have a big uh, backdrop for it. And then we're also going to have a banner uh, for you and your family. We'd love to get a lot of families to take pictures. And we're going to plan on putting it on our Instagram and our Facebook. But simply on the front of that banner, it just says, I love my church. Hashtag, I love Hillcrest. And so we'd love for you to be a part of that. That's next week. Get you and your family in there. Uh, we've got a, what I call a professional photographer uh, that'll be taking some pictures. And uh, we're truly thankful for that. She come, helps us out a lot of times uh, with our baptismal pictures and takes those. And uh, Miss Angie Myrie does a wonderful job with that. And uh, so we're excited about being able to do something like that. Really uh, get some great pictures, great family pictures together. So we hope you'll help us out with that. Uh, so I hope that you'll join us for uh, this entire series. It's going to take us about eight weeks uh, as we talk about I love my church. Now, you're probably thinking the same thing my wife said to me when I told her I was preaching a series, I love my church. How in the world are you going to preach a series on I love my church? How in the world are you going to make it to where it talks about Hillcrest because Hillcrest is not in the Word of God? Well, that's okay. The characteristics of our church are in the Word of God. And that's why I love my church. And so we're going to talk about those. In fact, we're going to talk about eight different things that really set us apart, I believe, as a phenomenal church that is biblical, that is genuine, that is true, and it's exactly why I love Hillcrest. And so today we're going to talk about my church is biblical. This is one of the reasons why I love Hillcrest. We are a biblical church. I'm thankful, because I'm going to be honest with you, I am glad that you bring your Bibles to church. I am so sick of churches that don't carry Bibles. Amen. All right? Now you say, well, maybe I have it on my phone. Well, that's fine, as long as you've got a copy of God's Word. Me, personally, I like to have a book in my hands. I'm not one who likes to read off a computer screen or likes to read off my phone. Now, if you like that, that's fine. I just want you to have a copy of God's Word where you can actually look at the words of God and focus on those. And that's what makes churches biblical because we focus on the Word of God. Now, I love this. Uh, I read this article, and it simply said this. He says, we cannot have a healthy, vibrant relationship with the Lord if we are neglecting the church. Do you hear that? I, I want to read that sentence again. Now, there's more to go with this, but I want to read this sentence again because I understand the importance of church. Those that think that church is not important for the life of a Christian, you're fooling yourselves. You're ignorant, and you don't know the Word of God. It's plain and simple. We need church. He says this very clearly. We cannot have a healthy, vibrant relationship with the Lord if we are neglecting the church. It is through the local church, because I get so tired of people saying, well, we are the church. You need to be a part of a local church that we experience Christ, 
meet with our heavenly family, and grow in the love and faith as we are stretched by one another. That is why throughout the New Testament, early Christians were exhorted to gather together. Now, I understand we're going through some difficult times, and there are people with some health problems, and they can't be in church. That is understandable. That's why we provide it online for that very reason. But there is nothing like being in the house of God with the family of God, worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is no comparison. I remember when we went through COVID at the beginning and in the month of March and we shut down and everything was online and I was here preaching to like eight people. Eight people. And I know Travis was enjoying it. Travis Peach was leading our worship and he was trying to worship with like eight people. And he's over having to look at me and my ugly mug and thinking to himself, man, if this is what worship is about, we're in trouble. And, you know, when you sit there and you think about it, it was just hard. And so in April, we're like, look, let's do drive-in church. I may not be able to see them through their windshields, but they can at least see me and we can worship together. And then May, we did outside church and then we came back in in June. And I'm so glad as a church, we've been faithful to meet together. We know and understand the ramifications of everything that's going on with this virus, but we know how important it is to be together because we love each other. And there's just something about it. When you miss being with your family, you can't wait to get back with them, can you? You just can't wait. And so today we're going to talk about four ways a church is biblical. The first way we're going to look at is the Bible is central. The Bible is central. Look at me in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we begin in verse 1. We're going to be looking at four different bases of Scripture. But the first one we're going to talk about is that the Bible is is central. Beginning in 2 Timothy 4, beginning in verse 1. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead as appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Don't you just love that statement? Preach the word. Preach the word. Let's just be honest. If you go to a church and they don't preach the word, they preach their own word, you didn't go to church. You wasted your time. It's not about man's opinion. It's about God's word. It's about us digging deep into the book that God has given to us to understand. No man is infallible, but the word of God is. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But when I think about the word of God, we have to preach the Word. Without the Word of God being central in the church, it is not really a church. The Word of God has to be the manuscript. It has to be the mandate. It has to be everything that we back, that we follow, that we believe, that we trust in. It is the Word of God. Not the Word of the preacher, not the Word of the Pope, not the Word of any man, but the Word of God. It is the final foundation. It is everything we stand on. It is everything we need. If we get away from the Word of God, we are no longer a church. We are merely a social club. The Word of God must be central. It's not my opinion. It is God's opinion. He states it very clearly. Preach the Word. Now, let's be honest with you. It's not popular to preach the Word because look at what it says. He says, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove and rebuke. Now, anybody like to be rebuked? (laughs) If somebody comes up and rebukes you, the first thing you usually do is you... Get on the defensive. I don't like what that preacher's preaching. 
I don't like that he's meddling in my life. I've heard people say that. You meddle too much in your sermons. You dig a little too deep in your sermons. I don't like, it's almost like you're a fly on my wall and you've been listening in this week. Can I just tell you something? That's not true. I don't know what you did this week, but the Holy Spirit who dwells within you knows what you did this week. That's the thing. And so the Word of God, it will reprove and it will rebuke and it will speak to you. And a lot of people say, here's the thing. If you don't leave out of church convicted in some way, shape, or form, you didn't really go to church. Now you say, well, wait a minute. Didn't you say that we're supposed to be encouraged? Well, I'm glad you said that because the next word is what? Exhort. You see, here's the exhortation when God convicts us of our sin. It's that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness so that we don't leave church the same way we came in. Isn't that the amazing thing? You can leave church not the same way you came in. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you have ever fought all the way to church? You know what I'm talking about. Your kid is slow as molasses, doesn't want to brush their teeth on Sunday, doesn't want to comb their hair on Sunday, and then husbands, our wives do what? You better get them and get them now for I kill them, right? I know you've said it before, and then you get in the car and you're on your way to church, and the next thing you know, you're talking ugly to one another. I just can't stand to be married to you. Well, me neither, Right? And you look at your kids, you turn around and say, I wish you'd never been born. I don't know what. We've all had those arguments. We don't mean them. We don't mean them. But we've all had those arguments because Satan loves to get in the car with us on the way to church. And here's the great thing is we can be exhorted because guess what? You're not the only family that's been there. We've all done it. All of us have done it. All of us have been in that car. All of us have had that headache of getting ready to come to church. But the great thing is, is when you get here, you know you were needed to be here. And that's the truth about it. You can be exhorted, you can be built up, and you can leave not the same way you came in. Now, I love this. He says, if a church claims to believe and obey God, that church must be reading and teaching God's Word. Makes sense, right? In our pursuit of Christ's likeness, what better resource is there to help us than God's own letter to us? If the Word of God isn't being preached in the church, what is? Are the members listening to motivational speeches, practical how-to guides, or simply good stories? These seemingly innocent things are poor counterfeits for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The real gospel will stir hearts to repentance and cultivate in us a desire to conform our lives to Christ. If our church is expositing us to the word of God every week, faithfully studying the text in its context and pursuing not just knowledge of God, but a relationship with him, we will likely leave each service with some level of conviction, a prodding of the spirit to make changes in our lives to better emulate our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we come for. We want to be different. We don't come to church to leave the same. We come because we need God's word to change our lives. So we got to preach the word. We also got to make sure that we don't preach our own opinion. Look at verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap for themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Let me tell you something. We live in this day and time. 
There are places that call themselves churches that don't ever open the Word of God. They don't ever seek the Word of God. They are motivational speeches. They are there to appease you. They are there to make you happy. They are there to make you feel good. I remember one time I was at a church. I was working as the youth pastor. And I remember this pastor, he preached on David and Goliath. And I remember as we walked out of the church, there was one lady that spoke to this other lady. She said, Ethel, I, I wish that Bobby would have come to church with me today. And she said, I wish he would have come because it was such a good message. It was so encouraging, and he didn't talk about sin. I just kept walking, and I kept listening. And she said, we went to this church the other week, and all they could talk about was sin and your need to repent, and he just won't go back to church again. Because he's got sin, and he won't repent, he's not going back. He wants his ears tickled. And all I can think to myself is, my goodness, if that's what we come to church for, I can watch television evangelist. It's that simple. I can watch church on my TV if I don't want to get convicted. I can do all kinds of things, but man, I want to be where God is at. I want to be there where the word is preached. I don't want my ears tickled. If you're looking for a church for your ears to be tickled, it's not here. The church is focused on the Word of God. That's one thing I love about this church. I absolutely love this church because you want the Word of God preached. Not my opinion. You want the Word of God preached. I remember when the pastoral search committee came to view and talked to me. They came three times. Three times. And I remember thinking to myself after they came the second time and said, hey, we want to come see you a third time. I'm like, look, they're going to start thinking you're guests of our church. And they're going to ask why people from Tennessee are down here visiting in Alabama. But they wanted to make sure, here's why, they got it right. They wanted to make sure that they found somebody that didn't just say he preached the word, but somebody that did preach the word. They wanted to make certain, because I remember what they said when they were checking me out. They said, we really couldn't get good quality video from your old church, and we really couldn't hear what you were saying. So I was more than happy for them to come down, more than happy for them to check me out. Why? Because they wanted to make sure that the Word of God was central in my life, so that when I came here, the Word of God would be central in this church. The Bible must be central in order for a church to be biblical. Here's the thing, we, we can't change the Word of God. Now, I don't know if you heard, but Pope Francis. Pope Francis, a fool. Sorry, I said it. An absolute fool that went away from the Word of God. And you may say, well, Brother John, you may have just offended the Catholics. Well, good, maybe they'll hear the truth. The truth is, that man has no authority and no right to change the word of God to say that homosexuality is okay in the eyes of God. It was a sin then, it's a sin now, and it will forever be a sin. You cannot tickle ears. You cannot tickle ears and change the word of God to fit your desirous lifestyle. God's word doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and his word is too. It will not change, and therefore society cannot change the truth of God's word. We cannot bend or cowtail to society just because we want to fit in. Can I tell you something? We don't fit in because we're not of this world.
Some churches, listen to this, some churches have unfortunately become marketplaces that simply supply what its members demand. Positive vibes, good feelings, and unconditional acceptance. In this postmodern age, it is absolutely critical that we commit to and invest ourselves in a local church that truly believes the Bible and holds itself accountable to the teachings of God's Word. The Bible must be central. That's why I love Hillcrest, because it is. Number two, the Bible is inspired. You don't have to flip far. Look at chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All Scripture is inspired. Now, I love that word inspired. Behind that word, there's a lot to it. It means it is God-breathed. It means that it is given to us by God himself. Yes, man wrote the books, but they wrote them as they were inspired by God. Those men, listen to this, not everything they said was inspired. Not everything they wrote was inspired, but everything that is in that book is inspired. You understand that the word is what's inspired, not those men. Those men penned the words through the power of the Holy Spirit. As they wrote them down, God breathed life into them, spoke through them, and they wrote them down for all mankind to be able to read. All Scripture is inspired. All 66 books of the Bible, all 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament. They were written by so many different men, from shepherds to pastors to disciples, to fishermen, to lawyers. It was written so that we might know the heart of God. All Scripture is inspired. At our first church, I used to have our church, they would hold up their Bibles. My kids were picking on me this week about this. And I used to have them hold up their Bibles before we ever opened the Word of God. And we would say this together. We'd say, this is my Bible, God's holy Word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, and hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. It is the indestructible, inerrant, infallible Word of God. And reading this book, I will never be the same. We would always start the service like that. And the reason why I love that is because it declared very very clearly, it is the indestructible Word of God. What do you mean by the indestructible Word of God? Well, the book of Psalms tells us that the Word of God is indestructible. In Psalm 119, it's the largest psalm in the book of Psalms. In Psalm 119 and verse 89, it says this, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Now, you need to understand something. I saw a bumper sticker the other day, and it said on there, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. God said it, that settles it, whether I believe it or not. God said it long ago. His word is forever. It is eternal. It is unchanging. It is indestructible. But I love this. It is inerrant and it is infallible. In other words, there are no mistakes in the word of God. Any man that thinks he can find a mistake in the Word of God thinks he's smarter than God, and I don't think you're there. I've had a lot of people come up and say, well, I I can show you, and I'm like, 
Go ahead, please, by all means, show me where there's an error. Please show me where God messed up. Please show me where God made a mistake. And then please make sure you tell God he made a mistake. I'd like to see if you still live after that. You see, the Word of God doesn't have any errors. It doesn't have any mistakes. There are no problems in the Word of God. Now, I love what Peter said. Peter also talked about the Word of God being the infallible Word of God. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, he said, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Please understand, there is one interpretation to the Word of God. There are many applications but there is only one interpretation. It is not what you want it to say. It is not what you want it to mean. The Bible says what God intended it to say, and he is the one that we need to seek to understand it for what it is saying. There is not any private interpretation. For prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You know why I think the word isn't, doesn't have any errors? It's because God doesn't make any mistakes. And God gave us a book that doesn't have any mistakes. And God gave us a book so that we can study it and know him and understand what it means to have a relationship with him. The word of God is inerrant. It is absolutely infallible. There are no mistakes. Now, it's also profitable. Look at this. In verse 16, it says, And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Have you ever wondered what those four things mean? What's very simple is this. Doctrine means it teaches you what you should believe. In other words, the Word of God tells you what you should know about God, what you should believe. Reproof, it tells you what you should not believe. Why? Because there are many false philosophies out there. There are many falsehoods. There are many gospels being preached, but there is only one true gospel. It also teaches you correction, what we should not do, and instruction, what we should do. So it tells us what we should believe and not believe, what we should do and not do. It is perfect for those things. In other words, the Word of God does everything it needs to for the Christian's life. And then it's perfecting. Look at verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In other words, God is completing you. You know, the old little children's song we used to sing is still true. He's still working on me. I'm not perfect, but he's completing me. It's kind of like a puzzle. He's putting the pieces together. And one day when I reach heaven, he'll put that final piece in there. And I will be perfect. Isn't that a blessing? The word of God is what does that. So we see the word, the Bible is inerrant. We see the Bible must be central. Number three, the reason why a church is biblical is the Bible is studied. Look at 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study comes from the word spaudezo, which means to be diligent, zealous, and persistent to accomplish a particular objective. Now, let's be honest. How many of you have ever read the Bible? And when you read it, you say, I don't understand it. You ever been guilty? I've, I've done that. I've read it sometimes before when I, when I started growing and I started wanting to learn more. And I'll tell you, one of the best things you can ever do is get a Bible that has study notes in it. And so often you can go down there, and I'll tell you one of the best ones is a life application study Bible. 
It's one of the best ones you can read because it tells you how to apply it to your life. But I also love the John MacArthur Study Bible because it goes into the history as well as how to apply it to your life. But a study Bible is so vastly important. Why? So that you can study it. I would sit there for hours and I would read the verse of Scripture and then I'd read every study note underneath it. And I did that for years so that I could try to understand the Word of God till I could begin to dig in deep and not have to use the study notes. And I remember just sitting there reading and piling it on and listening and studying and growing. And as, as Christians, we're called to do the same thing. You know, one of the most exciting things for me when I first got here is as we started the new year, and we're going to do it again, we put out the reading through the Bible guides. Do you remember that? We put out reading through the Bible guides for everybody to be able to read through the Bible in a year. We printed up 200 Bible guides. Every one of those was gone in two weeks. And I remember setting them out there thinking to myself, well, it's not usual. Usually, you know, a few of them will be gone. I remember my church in North Carolina, about 25 got taken. My church in Alabama, about 35 got taken. 200 were gone in two weeks. We went and printed more, and then they were flying off. And I'm like, this is amazing because this church wants to study the Word of God together. Here's the thing. If you don't understand it, ask questions. Dig in deep. Do everything you can to understand it. Because here's why. Study to show thyself approved unto God. The idea is to come alongside of. Parastamai means to present oneself for inspection in order to be approved. You ever thought about that? You should study the word of God in order to be presented before God as though you were right with him. Man, if you go into your study like that, you won't just close it and go, I don't get it. You will dig in deep, and you'll say, I'll do everything I can. I've often, often said this, and I still believe this. If you get to a point and there's a passage of Scripture you don't understand, call me. I'll be happy to talk you through it. I'll be happy to go through it with you. Why? Because that's what I'm here for. We need to study the Word of God together. There is nothing more exciting when somebody calls me and says, hey, I got a question about the Bible. Let's talk about it. Let's dig in, and let's see what God's Word says. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word divide there means to handle accurately, to cut straight, to cut it straight. Now, Paul, of all people, would understand this because he was a tent maker on the side, and so he had to cut the fabric straight so that he could sew it together and make the tents right. There's nothing like going out there and looking at a house as it begins to be built and seeing if a foundation's crooked or straight, is it? What do they do? They go out there and they plumb it. They use a line to plumb the foundation to make sure it's straight. Why? Because if the house isn't straight, it's going to look funny. Nobody goes into a house and begins to put a shelf up and leaves it crooked, do they? They want it straight. Why? So that things don't roll off of the shelf. When it comes to the Word of God, you cut it straight. In other words, you try to understand it for what God intended it to be saying, not what you want it to say. Remember one time somebody came to me and said, well, that may be how you interpret it, but here's how I interpret it. Here's what I said to him, and I want to make this clear. If you ever come to me and make that statement, I want to find out what God interprets it as, not what I think, not what you think, not what John MacArthur thinks, not what anybody else thinks. I want to know what God says about that word because the author is the only one that knows why he said it. And so we need to rightly divide the word of God. Lastly, turn with me to Acts 17. I'll be quick on this point. The Bible is received. The Bible is central. The Bible is inerrant. The Bible is studied. And number four, the Bible is received. Acts 17, verses 10 and 11. We'll look real quickly at this. And the brethren immediately 
sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Two things I want us to look at in this scripture in verse 17. First off, they had readiness of mind. In fact, it says they received the word with readiness is the actual interpretation. There have been people that have left out of church before saying, I just don't get fed. Maybe you've said that before. But can I tell you something? I could set a buffet in front of you, but if you're not hungry, you're not going to eat. You see, the truth of the matter is, is you have to be ready to receive. If you're not ready to receive, I could preach till I'm blue in the face. I could preach the entirety of the Word of God. And if you're not ready to receive, you'll still walk out unchanged. A biblical church has a readiness to receive the Word of God. Here are some things you can do to be ready to receive the Word of God. Number one, you need to confess your sin. If you come in with a sinful heart, you will not be ready to hear from God because the truth of the matter is, is this Word will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Word. It's that simple. If you've got sin in your heart, here's the truth of the matter. You don't want to hear the Word of God unless you are ready to be convicted and changed. And so you will not listen to anything being said. You need to come in with a confessed heart so that you can be ready to receive. Number two, you need to come in with humility to receive the Word of God. You need to come in in expectation that you're going to receive something. You need to come in not believing you already know everything. That means something. You can't come in. I remember I had a professor one time. He had the whole Word of God memorized, and yet he still read the Bible daily. Isn't that amazing? Memorized the whole book, and yet still understand the necessity and the importance of studying the Word of God daily. There's humility because there is still so much more that we can learn. Number three, you've got to come in for a hunger for the Word. Come in for a hunger for the Word. Now, last night, my family went to celebrate, and we went to Olive Garden. Anybody like Olive Garden? Y'all were like, if you'll shut up, we can go to Olive Garden right now. We went to Olive Garden. And here's the thing. I ate a light lunch. Why? Because I knew I was going to eat several bowls of salad. Right? In other words, I prepared myself to be hungry so that I could eat when I got there. So that I'd get what I paid for is the way I look at it. I love to challenge buffets. It's not a good thing. But you've got to come into church ready to receive the Word of God, hungry for it, ready to feast upon it. And I'm going to tell you, here's how it happens. It can't happen because you've starved yourself all week from the Word of God, and this is the only time you get to receive it. It comes from the fact that you eat it every single day, and you feast on the Word of God so that when you come into church, you're ready to be captivated by the Word of God because you know how much it changes your life. It is so important for you to read the Word of God daily. You've got to hunger for it. You've got to have a readiness. You ready for this? Lastly, to obey the Word. It doesn't do any good if you hear it, if you're not willing to obey. And finally, it says this in that last verse, uh, verse 11. They search the Scriptures daily. It simply says they examine them. In fact, the word means judicial investigation. Can I tell you something? If we investigate the Word of God and we dig in deep, here's the thing. If these people made sure what Paul said was correct, 
you better believe you ought to make sure that I say is correct. Okay? I have no problem with that. But you know what that means? That means when you leave here today, your conversation at lunch should be about the message this morning so that you can dig in deeper and make sure everything I said was right. Could you imagine if we as Christians started doing that, how much deeper we would get into the Word of God? I promise you, going back over what I've taught today is so much better than having fried preacher for lunch. I promise. So much better. I love my church because it's biblical. I love Hillcrest because we have a desire for the Word of God. That's why I love March when we have our real Bible conference, don't you? Isn't that exciting? Those preachers come in and preach, dig deep into the Word of God. we got to have a love for the Word. It has to be central. We have to understand it is inerrant. We have to study it, and we have to be ready to receive it, and that's what makes us a biblical church. Here are the questions I have for you this morning, real simple. Are you studying and receiving the Word of God? Because I can promise you two things. It is inspired, and it is absolutely central here at Hillcrest. So are you studying and receiving it? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for my church. I thank you for Hillcrest. I thank